So Isaiah, I'm really kind of sad about today, to be honest with you, because we're kind of bringing to an end a four-week series on this popular Christmas kind of a verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where, where, the, the, where Isaiah is actually kind of predicting who this Messiah is going to be, who this child of God is going to be. And he says this, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and his government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And then we kind of went through each one of these names the previous three weeks. And the first one was Wonderful Counselor. And we just talked about the fact that God knows all about you. He knows every detail of your life, and he still loves you, and he knows how best to help you. And so what we need to do, our responsibility with this wonderful counselor is to be brutally honest with him and go to him with our concerns and cares and issues, and then to do what he says. And he's a wonderful counselor. And then the next, the next name that we discovered was the mighty God, and we talked about this incredible, powerful inspiring God who created this world, this universe, and that power lives in us and is for us and wants to work through us to affect this kingdom of God in this world. And then last week, we talked about the everlasting Father and that regardless of what your experience, positive or negative, has been with your earthly Father, you have a heavenly Father that is completely satisfied with you. You have a heavenly father that is always there for you and that loves you incredibly well. And that's just so reassuring for us. And then this week, we get the privilege of talking about what I kind of feel like is is not just one of the names of, of Jesus Christ here, but one of the key reasons why he came. And that is the fact that his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. And as you kind of break that down a little bit, you've got this incredible broadening of that meaning because the word prince in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was originally written in, is the name Seir. And it means just about any kind of authority you can think of, a lord, a chief, a general, a lieutenant, just someone who's in charge, right? So this person is in charge of what? Shalom. Have you heard that before? Peace, shalom, but it goes beyond like, you know, peace. It's like rest and tranquility and wholeness and and completeness. And that's what Jesus Christ is in charge of. So like if you wanted to kind of play with some, some names here and switch some things out, like if you were to interpret what that meant and you were to interpret the Bible, maybe you might have come up with captain of rest. I think that's my superpower. Chief of wholeness or general of tranquility or Lord of contentment. But you get the idea that Jesus Christ is the one who manages that and then provides it. So much so that when you read the Christmas story, and I don't know what kind of traditions you have, but my family, we read the Christmas story before we open any gifts on Christmas morning. And we just take out the book of Luke and start reading, and there's a, some kind of a natural ending place, I think, where, where it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them, right, in her heart. And I like that. That's kind of where we end. Um, if I went much longer, my kids would go crazy. But that's the story that we read on Christmas morning. And in Luke chapter 2, in reference to this Prince of Peace, you have this, and the angel said unto them, you may be familiar with this, the angel didn't say that. You may be familiar with this. I just said that. And the angel 
said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. He says, Fear not. So we already kind of have entering in this Prince of Peace, and he has announced to the shepherds, Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is being born. And he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And isn't it interesting that he was lying in a manger? Like Mary didn't have him right here? That's just an incredible thought, that he was actually in a manger, and I'm not sure what the significance of that is. But it's almost... There's got to be something there why he was lying in a manger instead of like right here up against Mary the whole time. I don't know if it's because he was God's gift to the world or if Mary Howard already kind of had this idea or maybe she just gotten tired of holding him and there's nothing there and I'm really overthinking this. That could also be the case. And then the Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth what? Peace goodwill towards men. So this prince of peace, his birth was announced. And it was mentioned in his big announcement that he was bringing peace to this earth. So I wanted to give just kind of two, two things here. First of all, what this peace is like and then, and then what Jesus has done for us with it. So so what this peace is like, I mean, this, this Ser Shalom, this Prince of Peace gives a peace that is, first of all, the, the first thing I want to bring out here is that it is supernatural. I mean, it's not like any other peace we can come up with because, because let, let's be honest, we seek peace in our life. It's like we like to be able to go home at night and be at peace. We like to know that there's not a lot of trouble brewing in our family, that, that everyone kind of is getting along, or that we don't have any outstanding bills that are tormenting us. There's nothing that is in our life that is causing us to have a, a lack of peace. And we work hard, and we try and pay our bills, and we try and teach our kids how to get along, and we try and get along with our spouses because we want to live in peace. But that's like this level right here. That's, that's not a supernatural peace. That's just a peace that we're trying to attain in our lives, and so many of us are just satisfied by attempting to be at peace on a natural level just because we all get along. But what Jesus is promising is a supernatural peace. The Bible says in chapter in John, this is Jesus talking here to his disciples. He says this in 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. And then he says this, he identifies, he says, my peace I give unto you. Can you imagine that? What kind of peace must Jesus have? He's God. He knows it all. He's been there. There's nothing he's afraid of. I give my peace to you. That is significant. And the word my there is is a possessive that describes the kind of peace that it is. And what Jesus is saying there, he he said, the peace that I have in my life, because I know it all, and I've conquered it all, I'm willing to give to you. That's a supernatural peace. My peace I give unto you. And then he, then he even, he details it further. He said, now I'm not talking about the peace that the world gives you, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. That's a supernatural peace. Now, I don't know how else to, I don't know like what illustration or what we can like wrap our brains around to kind of help understand that kind of peace that we get to enjoy. But have you ever, like, like my, my daughters have always been kind of scared to go outside at night. Like if you ask them to go feed the dog or go outside and take the trash or, you know, go get something out of the car, it's like they look at you twice like, really? I mean, you know, it's dark outside, right? Well, you know what makes that disappear is when dad goes out with them. It's like I'm not, I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid to go outside. And so if I go outside with them, they're like, cool, dad's here. And the fear goes away. And I don't know that that's really a complete and an applicable description of the kind of fear that we don't have to have and the kind of peace that we get to enjoy. But if, God's, but, 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 but if Jesus Christ is God and he's been there and done that and he's overcome this world, there's nothing that can happen in my life that his peace cannot calm because it's a supernatural peace that we get to enjoy. He knows how you feel. He's been there before. He knows the way. And he offers his supernatural peace. So I don't know what you're going I, I know so, I know some of what some of you are going through. And all I have to offer you from me is my prayer and my sympathy and maybe some of my empathy. But I can't offer you what God can offer you. I can't give you what Jesus wants to give you, and that is... His peace, that is something that is unearthly, that transcends whatever you might be going through in a supernatural way. Not only is Jesus Christ's peace supernatural, but Jesus Christ's peace is stronger than, you name it, anything. Whatever you're going through, it's stronger than that. And in John chapter 16, verse 3, here's what Jesus says. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And then he goes on and says, now in this world, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. (laughs) I've overcome the world. So whatever it is that you're going to go through, I got it. I can give you this supernatural peace, and it is stronger than whatever it is you're going to go through. What I love here is that Jesus Christ is a realist. He is not saying that being a Christian means you have no problems. He's not saying that being a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have conflicts with each other, that you're not going to end up having some financial issues or, or problems at home. He's not saying there's not going to be any work problems. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm telling you right now, in this world, you will have tribulation. No doubt about it. It's almost a guarantee, right? You will have tribulation. (laughs) Then why do I want to be happy, Jesus? Why do you tell me to be of good cheer? Oh, because you've already overcome anything that could probably cause me issues. Because it's stronger than whatever it is. So that's kind of an overview of what this looks like, what kind of peace we have available to us. And now what I'd like to see is what Sarah Shalom, what the Prince of Peace does with this peace. The first thing is he saves us. The Prince of of Peace is the one who saves us. Now don't look at that very lightly because 
it's more significant than we might think. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, there's an incredible passage of Scripture. In the, and this, this chapter, Paul is writing to the church of Rome, and he starts off with this phrase, Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, in other words, that phrase is necessary before we get to the next phrase. So we are justified by faith, and then it says this, and because of that, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see what Paul did there. Paul says, listen, I want you to know that your peace that you get to enjoy is because of what Jesus has done. We are justified. Now, one beautiful way to look at that word justified to make sure you understand it is that it's just as if I'd never sinned. I am justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Now, that's hard for us to comprehend because I know all the crap that I've done and I know all the stuff that I've been through and I know all the bad decisions I continue to make. And it's hard for me to accept the fact that that even though I am a believer and even though I, I do feel like I am saved and I have a connection with God, the Bible calls it being born again, I still mess up on a daily basis. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. It happens. I mean, we still mess up on a daily basis. And how is it that a holy God can look at unholy Eric and see me as justified? Like, like there's nothing else needed. Through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He saved us. I don't understand it. I just accept it. And I'm glad that I don't have to figure it all out to own it and to know that and realize it in my own life. So he saves us and then he comforts us. This incredible prince of, and this is what we normally think of when we think of the peace that's given to us. And that is that Jesus Christ has the incredible ability because his peace is supernatural and because his peace is stronger than whatever, he has the ability to comfort us. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, what a great passage of Scripture. Be careful for nothing. Now, that, we kind of we breeze over that, but that word careful is also like be anxious or worry. So he's like saying, don't worry over anything or be anxious for nothing. And then he, then he says this. So instead of just sitting and worrying, Paul says, here's what you do instead. But in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then here's the promise that's the end of that. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here's the, and I'm not a big formula guy, but here is the formula. So, so what we want to do is we want, rather than, rather than praying about something, we want to find somebody who's sympathetic to us and just unload on them. Nothing's going to get solved, but we just feel better because we found somebody else who will sympathize with us. Jesus said, that's not what I said. That's not going to bring the peace of God. I said, pray. Praying and asking, that's what supplication is, and thanking. 
will bring this protective peace. The Bible says there that it will keep your hearts in mind. It's going to protect it. It's going to give you this sense of peace, and you'll be protected. Praying and asking and thanking. Folks, if we would use that formula whenever we're troubled about a relationship or when we're troubled, I I promise you that the peace of God, that supernatural and stronger then, will do the job. Instead of talking to God, instead we like to talk to anybody who's sympathetic. Instead of asking God for help, we want to wallow in self-pity. Instead of thanking, we like to gripe and complain. You know what I think a lot of this is? A lot of us is we just don't trust God to be God. We feel like we have to do something about the issue. We have to do something to affect change in somebody else. Good luck with that. We feel like we have to do, like us staying up and worrying about it all night is going to make a difference in how the situation resolves itself. I really feel like one of the keys to, to accepting this peace that comes from God is letting God be God and letting him handle the problem. But we want to take it on our own and just worry about it and talk about it and, and just keep stirring it up and never letting it settle and letting God take care of it. Instead, we feel like we have to do something about it to make it better. And Paul says, pray and ask, and thank. So get on your knees and pray about it, and ask God something specific, and thank him for all that's in your life. And we wonder why we have no peace. I'm offended, so let me tell my friends. That's just not the formula. That's not going to solve the problem. All you're doing is spreading the crap. You're not cleaning up the mess. You're not, you're, not, you're not letting God be God and letting God take care of it. You're, you're just infecting somebody else rather than trusting God to be God. And we spend all that time anxious about it. I... I opt for peace. I'd rather just pray and ask and thank and get the peace that I need from God rather than just keep stirring it up. I'd rather have peace than sympathy. I say that because I'm the one preaching, but I know how it really is. A lot of times I just want sympathy. I just want someone else to agree with me to make me feel better. But that doesn't really work very well. So this Prince of Peace saves us, he comforts us, and then finally, he unites us. There was this, these two diametrically opposed groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. You had those that were considered the nation of Israel and those that were without that nation. And, and they, were, they were so diametrically opposed that in the temple grounds, they actually built up a wall, a physical wall to keep the Gentiles from intermingling with any of the Jews that attended. It was a physical, literal wall. And so Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and he is describing what Jesus Christ has done with these relationships and how the, how the Gentiles, those that 
are not part of the Jewish nation are now part of this family of God that we're all supposed to be a part of. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for he, Jesus, is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So it's a physical, right? We, Jesus, like, 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 when he died on the cross, there was the partition that, that rent in the, in the temple, and we get all of that, but it's also very figurative that this thing that separates believers, Gentile and Jews, is gone, and there's no need for us to feel separated and at odds with each other because he's broken down the middle wall of partition. So Jesus is the true source of peace. So here's the deal. If Jesus enters into the equation and we allow him in, then peace is present because he is our peace. So if we remove Jesus from the equation, then we remove the source of peace. So so here's here's a great test, right? So if you are at odds with somebody else, or if you're experiencing financial difficulty, or if you have stress in your life from somewhere and you are looking for peace, then invite Jesus into the equation. Invite Jesus into the situation. And make him a part of what is going on because he is the peace. He is, he's bringing it with him. It's supernatural. It's stronger than. Invite him into the situation. Because he is the peace. So here's here's the truth, right? So he's broken down this middle wall of partition between us. I I feel like, metaphorically, we ought to be able to get along with anybody. Because whatever it is that we're at odds with each other about ought to be resolvable because of Jesus Christ. We all mess up. And we all hurt each other. But Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, wants peace amongst us, and he has the ability to resolve that conflict and break down the middle wall. And if we invite him in to the situation, then he brings peace with him. So if you want peace, add Jesus to the equation, and he brings the peace with him. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I don't know what your relationship with God is actually like. I don't, I don't know um, what your history is. I don't know what all your backgrounds are. Some of us have had conversations, but, but I know this, that this is the reason Jesus Christ came, was to heal relationships, primarily our relationship with his Father, God. And so God sent Jesus Christ to this earth to suffer an unimaginably painful death to provide a way for you and I to reconnect with the Father. And that's why it's so critical for us to understand that when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, definite article, the, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and then in case there was any question, he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. He wasn't allowing any wiggle room there. He wasn't saying, well, you know, you know, I, I try to do good, and, and, uh, and, and when I get to heaven, I believe they're going to weigh my good deeds and my bad deeds, and I think if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, and then St. Peter's going to pat me on the back and let me on into the pearly gates. But I, as, as silly as that sounds, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. 
That we feel like we get to go to heaven because of all the good stuff that we're trying to do. Folks, you're fooling yourself. Because number one, you're not as good as you think you are. And number two, God is a holy God. One sin taints the whole thing. One bad thought, it's impossible. That's why the Bible says no man can come to the Father but by Jesus Christ. Think about that. He is the only way. And he's the prince of peace, and he's paid the penalty. And so if there was another way that you could creatively think of to get to God, then why did he send his son to die a horrific death? If there was a better way, God would have thought of it. If there was another way, we would, have, we would have read about it in the Word of God. There's just no other way to get to God but through Jesus Christ. And so what does that mean practically? It means that you have to be willing to humble yourself and realize you're not that good. In fact, you're the opposite of that. We're horrible. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, All of those horrible things are taken care of. And if we're willing to accept and receive the gift of salvation and go through the door, then we have peace with God. And now here's the thing. If you're a believer, you understand and agree. Then why don't we get along with each other? Because we've all messed up. We've all done stupid stuff. Some of us are just better at hiding it. That's the truth. We've all done stuff. So my suggestion would be that we just remove that partition and enjoy the peace that we get to have because of what Jesus Christ has done. So two things this morning. If you are not a believer, if you have not connected with Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that today. Ask the questions. Start the relationship. Pray the prayer. Whatever you want to say. So at the end of the service, when I pray, there's going to be some some folks that are down here at the front facing you, and they are kind of our prayer team, if you will, and they would love to have a conversation with you about starting that relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're unfamiliar. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you consider yourself a child of God, man, just invite that Prince of Peace into your life and and, 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 and the situations in your life. And allow his supernatural, stronger than peace to let you sleep at night. And let you enjoy your Christian life. As the Prince of Peace, the Ser Shalom, gives you a peace and gives you the ability to enjoy life supernaturally. Because his peace is stronger than anything else. That's our word of prayer. Father, we are indebted to you for all that you've done. We understand clearly, maybe not fully, but clearly that there is no way that we can effectively live this life apart from you. And I pray that those that are gathered in this room would make it a point to get to know you better to love you more, to start a relationship with you, and to invite the Prince of Peace into their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.